Today's scripture reading comes from Exodus 2, 1 to 10 in the ESV. You will see the passage on your screens. Let us hear the word of God. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sisters stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the mother's, the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Today, Pastor Jeff will be continuing our sermon series from Exodus and his sermon is titled, A Basket, God's Plan. Now let's turn our attention to Pastor Jeff. Good morning, my friends at Crossbridge. I love this story. In these short 10 verses, we have a very dramatic account that shows us that God hears us, he sees us, he remembers his covenant, and he knows, he knows. As the, the old song says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. One of the verses says, Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. So take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's what this story uh, shows us. He hears our cries. He sees our distress. He remembers his covenant, and he intimately knows our condition. You remember the, um, the distinction between showing and telling, don't you? We've talked about this in the past. When we show something, it's like storytelling or drama. It shows us ideas. In the case of the Bible, it shows us doctrine or truths, you know, like God is love. Well, it shows us that God is love. Jesus did this all the time with his parables. You know, once upon a time, there was a father who had two sons, and one of the sons was not a very good son. And he said to his father, give me my money. And he went off. Remember the story, the parable of the prodigal son? Eventually the son comes back and the father runs out to greet him. Jesus is 
showing us through a narrative form God is love. Telling is like what I'm doing right now. Uh, you know, point one, point two, propositions and uh, God is love. But here in Exodus, the whole book, most of the book of Exodus, certainly these early chapters, it's the art of showing. God is showing us this great truth about himself. So let's take a page out of uh, the biblical author's playbook and let's retell the story. Let's show the truth. So let me retell it for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, weave in some of the cultural background, the local color that I discovered in my study. But it starts this way. One time, long ago, in a place far away, there was a wife and her husband. Her name was Jochebed or Jochebed. She's actually not named in this portion of the story. We learn her name later. Her husband, who's not actually in this story, we learn about him from other places, was Amram or Amram, and they were married. They had three children. There was the oldest, a girl, uh, her name was Miriam. She is in this story, although she's not named here. We learn about it later. She's about uh, maybe 11 years old, 10 years old in this story. There's her younger brother, who's the middle child. Uh, his name was Aaron. He's not in this story at all. He's about three years old. And then little baby brother, and he is the main character of this story. The story takes place in Egypt, the land of pyramids and monuments, a desert land, a land of sand, rocks and scrub bushes, a land of many gods, polytheistic. Uh, they had the, the sun god and the death god, and uh, they even had like the cat god and the beetle god, all these different deities, polytheism. And into this setting and into this family comes a little baby boy. It was a bad time to be a Hebrew in Egypt. You remember the past couple of weeks, remember the, the introduction to, to Exodus? The, uh, the Israelites, the children of Israel, there was about 70 in this extended family unit, moved from uh, Canaan, the promised land, down into Egypt and they started prospering and multiplying and they grew to be hundreds, they grew to be thousands, this is taking time, dozens and dozens and maybe a hundred years they grew, they got to be maybe hundreds of thousands of people and the Egyptians are watching all this and they're going, whoa, there's gonna be more of them than there are of us and that they were afraid. Well, they'll take over, they'll, they'll, they'll do something to us. So, remember, they enslaved the people. I'm not sure how the Egyptians did that, but they, they made them slaves and they herded them together and they, they forced them into the ghetto sections of town, into the slave quarters. 
And it was a bad time to be an Israelite in Egypt. It was, it was a very bad time to be born uh, as an Israelite in Egypt because you remember, remember last week, Pharaoh said, man, we got, we got to do population control here with these, with these Jewish people. And he said to the midwives, remember, um, every, every uh, baby that's born, if it, if it is a male, you shall kill it right there at birth. But the midwives feared God more than they feared the king of Egypt and they let the babies live. So that didn't work. So then, then Pharaoh said, well, I got to take matters into my own hands. And this is where the story ended last week. Chapter 1, verse 22. Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile. Wow. Throw it in the river. Let it drown. Or die of exposure or crocodiles. Okay, this is the setting, this is the background, and Amram and Jochebed have a son. A beautiful, beautiful, perfect baby boy, and they keep him secret for three months. I don't know how you do that, to put him in the closet or something. They didn't have to do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because Pharaoh's uh, soldiers and the, the, the police would, you know, they'd sweep through un unannounced every now and again, round up all the, the babies. I don't know if they came about once a week or once a month, but they'd come through and they kept their baby secret. Uh, for three months. Maybe they have like a warning system, somebody, kind of a lookout would be up there on high ground and they'd see the police coming and you start whistling, you know, Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> and uh, they knew they had to keep their children uh, cloistered away and uh, secret. So three months. That just can't go on like this. The baby's, you know, starting to cry more and fuss, and they never know when the police are coming. And so they come up with a crazy plan, a desperate plan. Here's the plan. Whenever we get the signal, whenever the police come sweeping through, we will take the baby down to the river and put the baby in the river, in a basket. So, Moses' mother takes a basket, probably bigger than this basket, yet put a baby in there, and she coats the thing uh, on the outside with, what does the Bible say, bitumen and pitch. We're not quite sure what that was. Bitumen was probably a petroleum product like tar. Pitch might have been a... Uh, a plant product like uh, the sap from a tree. Anyway, the point is she makes the basket watertight. Her basket has a lid, mine doesn't have a lid. They put the baby in the basket and... Uh oh, here's the signal. And so the plan was Miriam, 11 years old-ish, would take the baby, put the baby in the basket, uh, and head out the back door. Man, it was heavy. I mean, it's got the tar all over it and the baby's inside and she'd go down. She's only 10 or 11 years old. She'd go down to the river 
and she'd go down, winding down the path, down, down, down. She'd go to this the area where the reeds were growing. There's quite a few reeds, and she would wade out into the river, and you know, right along the banks, into the muck, into the the, the, the shore of the river, and put the baby there in the reeds. Pretty good place to put the baby because the reeds would absorb the sound. Plus, there's the outdoor sounds of you know birds and whatever. And then she would. Uh, watch over a little brother and kind of patrol the banks until they gave the, the all-clear signal. And this is what they did. What kind of plan is this? Well, this is the desperation and the love of parents. And there's a little irony here, isn't there? Cast your baby boys into the river. So his mother says, well, okay, I'll put him in the river. I'm casting him in to the river. Not quite what you had in mind. I do it to save. You do it to kill. Okay. Out the back door, she goes down to the river. And wait a minute. Wait a minute. There are people coming toward that section of the river. These are not Hebrews. These, she can tell by the way they're dressed. Miriam can. They're, they're, they're Egyptians. They've got this straight, you know, black hair. They've got these beautiful white linen garments, and, and they're, they're almost kind of marching. They're, they're in procession, two by two. What is going on here? And in the middle, it looks like somebody uh, important because they have like a canopy over her. There's four attendants, each holding up a stick with four sides to protect her from the sun. Oh no, wait a minute. This is, this is royalty. This is the daughter of Pharaoh. It is the princess of Egypt. What are they doing? And there's, uh, it's, it's all women, except there's this one guy out in front, this priest, and this is some kind of religious ceremony. He's got incense that he's burning, and oh no! Miriam says, this is it, this is it. They do this like once a year or so. They come down to the banks of the Nile River, the great god, the Nile River, and they bathe in the Nile River because, I don't know, prosperity and health. This is the day, and here they come, and they're walking right down to the place where she put the baby down there in the reeds. And Miriam's watching all this from the bank. Nobody suspects her because she's just a girl. She's not old enough yet to go out and work with the other slave women. And she's carrying on in happy, thoughtless, girlish fashion along the, the banks. At least it looks that way. But her heart is in her throat and her eyes are wide. And so the daughter of Pharaoh comes to the river and her attendants kind of spread out along the bank of the river to kind of protect her and give her privacy. And hang on, what is that noise? It's something down there in the reeds. I don't. It's not an animal sound. And she says to one of her attendants, "Go down there. Go bring that to me." And the attendant says, "Like, like wade out into the 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 muck. Yeah, yeah. Go bring it to me." So. She goes out, she gets this basket and it, it brings it back. And the Bible says in chapter two, verse six, when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying, I bet. <laughs> she took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. 
So the heart of this woman is touched, they, what, and, and, and it, her heart goes out to these Hebrew people. How desperate do you have to be to put your baby in this prepared basket down there? It's hot down there. It's stuffy. Smells like bitumen and pitch. And the Bible says she took pity on this child. And I imagine all the attendants are crowding around. What is going on? There's a baby in the basket and they're all, they're all fussing over the baby. Miriam's watching all of this. Oh, little brother, little brother, little brother. And with great courage, she's just a slave girl. With great courage, she goes up to the princess of Egypt. <laughs> And she says, with quick thinking, she says in verse uh, 7, um, she says, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women to nurse this child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. One word, go. Isn't that, isn't that sharp of Miriam? She goes and gets her own mother, Moses' mother, <laughs> brings her to Pharaoh's daughter. Moses' mother was breastfeeding so she can come and be the nurse for this child. And so the, uh, the birth mother of Moses continues as his nurse, as his mother, and eventually he will become the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. In verse uh, 9 she says, uh, she says to Moses' mother, Jochebed, she says, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. In the, the Hebrew text, when she says, I will give you your wages, the, uh, the pronoun I is emphatic. So it's like, and I myself will pay you. The, the implication is, then don't be, don't be going to anyone else now. Like, this can be just our little secret between. I'll take care of things, okay? You go nurse the child, then when he's weaned, bring him back and I'll, I'll take care of everything. And so... He grows up the son of slaves, the son of royalty. Now, time passes. In that culture, in that day, they would nurse their children for two or three or four years. So time passes, and she brings the, the little boy back to Pharaoh's daughter and presents him and there's an adoption ceremony and he becomes the son of Pharaoh's daughter and it was common in that day for the the nurse to continue with the family even after the child was weaned and so the nurse would just continue you know uh, taking care of the, the little boy and so maybe his mother Moses's mother moved into the palace uh, with them and maybe Pharaoh's daughter said, clean her up, clean her up, get her some new clothes, get, fix her hair. And she moved in. Because it seems that Moses was not only schooled in all the ways of the Egyptians, that's what the book of Acts says. It seems also that somebody, probably his mother, <clears throat> told him about his people. 
the slaves, told him who he was, and taught him about the only God, the maker of heaven and earth, not the Nile God and the cat God and the beetle God, but uh, God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And that is where our story for today ends. Moses growing up in the palace, two mothers, his birth mother, his adoptive mother, and God is preparing him to be the great deliverer of his people. All right, will you reflect with me for just a few minutes? Okay, what does the story show us? Here's one thing it shows us, my first reflection. God hears. In this case, literally, he hears the cry of a baby in a basket. He sees. He remembers. He knows. And this gives us hope and courage because it's the same God and a continuation of the same covenant, a new covenant, but a continuation that you and I, if we believe in Jesus, do you believe in Jesus? Same God, same covenant. It gives us hope and courage. Now look, he may, he may be putting you in a basket and it's hot and it's stuffy and the sun is beating down and it smells like bitumen and pitch. But this story shows us that you can float in the reeds without fear. And that gives us strength for today <laughs> and bright hope for tomorrow. Second reflection, God uses us in his great plan of deliverance. He is the deliverer, he is the, the, the master, and he saves, but he uses humans as instruments. Do you see that? Is that part of what God is showing us uh, in this story? In this case, in this story, he uses um, three women. And in this story, none, they're all anonymous. None of them have names. I've given the names which come later. But he, he uses Moses' mother. Um, what courage. What what desperation, what faith. Hebrews picks up on this, the book of Hebrews. It talks about Moses' parents, father and mother, and it talks about their faith. And God used her to save the baby so that the baby, the, the man, could eventually save, deliver the nation. And God uses, okay, he uses uh, Miriam in the story. She doesn't even have a name, but oh man, how quick thinking, how, how courageous of her. She goes up to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, I know what you can do. I know somebody. You want me to go bring a nurse? And God used that. And then the third uh, woman who does not have a name, uh, the princess of Egypt, uh, the uh, daughter of Pharaoh. 
Um, God used a pagan, somebody who didn't even know him, although apparently was sympathetic. And God, yeah, God can use whatever instruments. Like a uh, woodworker in the tool in the tool shed, in the in the, the woodworking shed, he, he uses tools. The woodworker is making the creation, but he uses tools. And you and I, and these three women, and last week's two women, <laughs> are tools in the master's hand. Like a violinist making music on her instrument. The violin doesn't have in itself the ability to make music, but in the hands of the violinist, music comes forth. And so God wants to use you. This is his plan. Same God, same covenant, same, same, you know, the way he's still operating today. He wants to use you. So take heart. Maybe he wants to use you in your family. A cousin, a sister, be faithful to him, be looking for opportunities, share the gospel, spread the good news, serve, listen, and God will use you. Maybe you're involved in a justice and mercy ministry. Excellent, excellent. You know that we can't do everything. We can't make the world right, but we can do something and God will use you. Like the, the boy that brought Jesus his lunch of two fish and five loaves. And then Jesus multiplied it and he fed a multitude with it. He uses us with our little puny efforts, our prayers breathed out, our little gifting, our time, our money. God uses us in his great plan of deliverance. And speaking of deliverance, reflection number three, this story makes us naturally think of another deliverer. His name was Jesus. Here's what I mean. Jesus said that all of this Old Testament stuff, these stories and the prophets and everything, was ultimately speaking something about himself. It was, they were like types and shadows and forerunners. And I think Moses, in fact the Bible says that Moses is a prophet and Jesus was a prophet greater than Moses, but like Moses. And so we remember Jesus. There was another poor Jewish couple who took their son to Egypt and fled from infanticide by another wicked king. And Jesus grew up there in Egypt. They brought him back when, he was, when it was safe. But God protected him and uh, trained him and taught him, maybe in the wisdom of the Egyptians, certainly in the Hebrew scriptures from his mother and father. And he became, in God's plan, in God's providence, he became a greater Moses 
and he performed a greater deliverance. Not just delivering a people group, but humanity. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or slave or free or, you know, young or old, male, female. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Jesus opened the doors. He led the great exodus out of captivity and bondage to Satan. And so this story, in my third reflection, says when we read this story, it reminds us of a greater Moses and a greater deliverance. Thank God. Thank God for sending Jesus and protecting and preparing Jesus just like with Moses. And he became the savior of the world. So, this story shows us that he has not forsaken his people. He hears our cries. He sees our plight. He remembers his covenant. He has not forgotten it. <laughs> and he knows. Thanks be to God.